This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Join me for my new radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk inspiration and prayer every Monday from 11 to 11.45 a.m. on KWWJ, 1360 a.m., 96.9 FM, or KYOK, 11.40 a.m. Call me, 832-570-8075. See you then. Houston, let this uh, play a little bit there, Mr. Producer. You have me, Gilbert Garcia, a tip from Gilbert, talk, inspiration, and prayer. We are here, as you know, every Monday from 11, and I have news for you. Not only are we now KWWJ and KYOK, but we are now from 11 to 12. One of those things, my studio audience is clapping. I appreciate that. I think it's because we want to make sure you callers keep calling in. This show is your show, and that's the way we're going to be able to grow this audience and really do a good service to the community. If you've got something to say about your church, your Little League team, you're running for office and you got something to say to Houston, just call in. Share it. 832-570-8075. Because at the end of the day, people want to start hearing good stuff on the news. They don't want to keep hearing all this negativity. And that's the whole point. So I thought I'd do something different and I'd say, live from downtown Houston, it's Chef Willie. So Chef, please say hello to Houston. Hello, Houston. Houston, welcome. Thank y'all for having me. Thank you. Well, yes, Chef, well. Well, Chef Willie, you are, you are an icon in Houston. We're going to talk about that, but I have to get to a caller because she waited, I don't know, probably 30, 45 minutes last time, and I apologize to her. So let me welcome one of our newly elected state reps, a great friend of mine, and of course, she was an incredible council member, Jolanda Jones. Are you there, Joe? Hey, Joe, first, let me just tell you, you know, how's it feel now to be a state rep? So, technically, Gilbert, I just got, I'm newly re-elected. I actually, Woo, newly re-elected. I actually got elected on, I got sworn in on May 18th. I, I won on May 7th. And then I got re-elected on May 24th. So that's got to be like the world's record for an election and then a re-election. But um, it, it feels great for the campaign to be over. Are you just like relieved? Are you like, oh God, I've been working so hard. I mean, you were, you've been like everywhere. I think there's three of you, Joe. There's three Jolanda Joneses out there in the universe because you're everywhere. And I think that's great because that just shows you how hard working you'll be for your district. So you're right. I, this was like the campaign from hell. It seemed like it would never end. I mean, I did, we didn't realize that, that, that Representative Coleman was going to retire in, in February of this year. So we didn't know that there was going to be a special election. And then we were hoping to win without a runoff, but there were just, there were seven people in the race and it was just too hard to get 50% with that many people. So I, I was, I worked out this morning, which is weird because I normally am pretty good about working out and once I started running, I, I concentrate 100% on the task at hand. So I did not have time to work out. So today was my first day working out, and I am so pathetically out of shape. It makes no sense. 
a workout that normally took me 30 minutes, took me like an hour and 15 minutes. Oh but I got through it. Some sense of normalcy. And um, I'm hoping that the governor calls a special session, although I don't think that he will, so that we can, at a minimum, try to get some reasonable gun reform, common sense gun reform. But I don't think he's going to do it, even though he did call a special election to activate our, our voting rights, to, to uh, make it impossible for people to be able to get uh, abortions, you know, after six weeks. So it's it's craziness that he thought it important enough to regulate our bodies and to regulate our abilities to vote, but doesn't want to regulate who can own a gun and when. Well, l- let me let me interject something real quick, Joe. And that is, you know, I found it very interesting. I was doing a little bit of research, and I was surprised how little research there is on guns and you know and their impact on society. There's not a lot of research on that. It's almost as if they're not really coming forth with data. So one of the things is someone that's a data-driven person and looks for solutions that are data-driven. I think one thing we got to do is get all the data. Who owns the guns, where do they own them, and and what's happening so we can really make good decisions. But the other thing that is indisputable, Joe, is number one, where there are more guns, there are more gun killings. That is indisputable evidence. That's number one. Number two, where there are um, rapid fire shootings, whether it's lots of magazines or automatic weapons, there are more gun killings. That is indisputable type evidence. So it seems to me, Joe, that hopefully you'll go up there and you'll just say, let's get some data. Let's look at this and let's get best practices of other states and best practices of other nations. So I'm a data driven person as well. But the only data I need to know is if fools can't get AR-15s, then they can't kill a whole bunch of people. That's right. There you go. Let me me say this. I believe it was in Sweden when they had that mass shooting. And I can't remember how many people died. Well, they immediately outlawed all these guns, and they hadn't had a mass shooting since. So I don't need to go do research, on at least not to pass laws. First of all, when somebody is 18, you don't even have a criminal record. If you did stuff when you were a kid, people can't look it up because your your records are protected when you are a minor. So at a minimum, we need to make you not be able to buy a gun until you're 21 so we can look to see what kind of issues you have. One. Two, we don't need military-grade weapons for regular people. They're military-grade for a reason because the military uses them. And this notion that, oh, we're going to arm teachers and do all this stuff. Come on, man. These police officers um, and Ubalde, they were afraid to go in with the dude who had the automatic weapon. So you want teachers to do what police were afraid to do? I mean, that's like a – that's just stupid. Well, I know right? I know one so, thing. You better give them hazard pay for crying out loud, yes. Joe. I mean, that's, that's just unbelievable. You, you can't – So first of all, all we need is scared people with guns. And again, police officers are trained to deal with people with guns. They know how to they know how to shoot. They have to to shoot every 
like every year and get their shooting renewed. Otherwise, they can't be peace officers. They have special training. So the fact that you're just asking a teacher, I mean, teachers are already struggling with how much they get paid and, and trying to educate our kids. Now you want them to be the police too. That's craziness. That's craziness. Well, Joe, I've got a guest here. So let me just ask you real quick. Let me give you the last word. What do you want to say, Houston, right now? I want to say thank you to everyone who voted for me. And even the people that didn't vote for me, I want to thank you for participating in the process. Democracy doesn't work if people don't vote. But at the end of the day, the people chose me. I'm super thankful for that. There were three elections. I won three times, so I'm 3-0. and And other people are 0-3. And I say that to say this, I'm going to work hard for the people that voted for me. I'm going to work hard for the people who didn't vote for me so that they know that I'm going to fight for them anyway. Because that's what happens when you get elected. You represent everyone. So I'm representing Republicans, Democrats, rich, poor, or indifferent, every single solitary color that that is a constituent of House District 147. And I'm just so honored to get to work. I wish that I had a special session to go to because you know how they say, if you build it, they will come. Yes. If he calls it, if he calls it, I will be there. Amen. But thank you so much. And I'm ready to work. Thank you, Joe. That, ladies and gentlemen, that's Jolanda Jones, right? She's, she's always working hard for the community. That's just awesome. But I have chef Willie here. So chef, just let yes. me ask you something. First of all, did when you were young, did you just say to yourself, you know what? I think I'm going to be a chef. I mean, how, how does one say, you know what? I just, I just love food. You know, that, that was the underlying of it all. I did genuinely love food. But did I grow up with saying I was going to be a chef? I did not, actually. Um, I, my love for food as far as professionally came in college. Um, but before that, growing up, very different, very interesting childhood. Uh, not your common childhood, you know. Um, growing up in the south side of Houston, um, was adopted by my grandparents within the family. Um, birth mom, birth dad never met, you know, dad at least. Um, you know, so my childhood um, was, was very interesting, as I like yeah. say it right now uh, in my adult life. But um, growing through all of that, I think it gave me tough skin, mm-hmm. you know, as, from from all of the things that I witnessed as a kid growing up. Um, but I'm, I'm very grateful for everything that what I've been through as a kid, because I think it led to the person I've become today. So your I'm grandmother sure. raised you or your grandparents? Great Actually. Great aunt, great aunt raised me. Very yes. interesting. Yes. Well, let me ask you this. So, what was? She, I mean, did she inspire you to just like think differently and think big? And because you know, when you think about growing up, you know, I just don't think chef is one of those things people say. You know, you know, everybody wants to be a fireman, or everybody wants to be a police officer, or everybody wants to be a doctor, or a lawyer. Right. But people don't realize number one, being a chef is an extraordinary skill. Absolutely. And it really is. You're like an artist. You are. You're an artist. You are. And then it's also, um, it can be very lucrative. And of course, running your own business, you know, being the, I don't know the right word, the head chef at a restaurant or even having your own restaurant. So let me ask you this. So when did the light bulb go off in you that said, I'm going to be a chef? Literally, it went off for me um, 
like I told you, in college. But one thing that you just mentioned right now was where did it come from as a beginning? My my great aunt, she was the baker in the family. And my my grandfather, my great grandfather, excuse me, my great granduncle, he owned a nightclub. So hospitality was in his blood. Ah. So hospitality was have always been deep down inside. Because, you know, at the, at the end of the day, your, your children basically are representing of their parents in a small sense. Um, so my being her being the baker and him having this love for hospitality and people, I think that's what developed my love for restaurants. Mm-hmm. And so I originally went to college to study restaurant management. Um, so you're educated in restaurant management. Correct, correct. I studied at Stephen F. Austin State University. Um, and, and there, about three and a half years into it, um, I did an internship at Chennault Country Club in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I got to witness like so many amazing people, including cooking for Bill Clinton. Um, but it was there. Um, now, I thought all he ate was French fries. Listen, listen. And I, I, thought, I thought Bill Clinton just eats French fries and, and, and you know, McDonald's. Is that not true? You know, I would not confirm nor deny <laughs> that story. Okay. <laughs> what happens in their kitchen stays there. Uh, there you, go. Stays you know, that's there. a good one. What goes on in the kitchen stays, stays in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen. Absolutely. I, I now know that. Okay, go, it go, does. go. You know, and so that experience, it made me realize I wanted to learn more about the kitchen itself. So when I returned back to SFA um, for my final year there, um, I, I took a mentor. And her name was Rosa. Literally, I used to call her Tia Rosa. Uh, she worked at the cafeteria at the at the university, um, and she would take me in there and teach me how to make like small cakes. And it was from there I just was immediately hooked. Um, and so right after I finished my four year, I went straight to culinary school, Le Cordon Bleu in Austin, Texas. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. And most people go down the yes, that's you. great. Thank you, thank you. Most people go the the savory route. Like most chef, ninety percent of chefs, you think of the savory route. For me, I wanted to do something different. I was the only black guy in my baking class um, it was uh, nothing but ladies which was not, not a not a bad uh, interaction you know, I had a great time um, hanging out with everyone don't get me wrong but literally um going into this baking program as a male as a black it was just so like left field Very but I wanted to do something completely different and I felt learning pastries opened me up to more cre- of a creative freedom now what does that mean savory when you say they do more savory things right. what's so that mean? savory is like your actual cook, your hot and cold cooked foods the uh, pastries are the other program which is the pastry program that I entered is literally just your desserts I your see. homemade breads chocolates here sugar work things like that I see I see I want to go back into this concept of being an African American American in this chef industry, which is predominantly white males. Right, correct. I want to talk about that in a second, but I want to take another caller. We have a Kathy Gunter. Kathy, are you there? I am. Kathy, well, I was was the other day um, eating with some seniors and visiting with seniors, and Kathy was there with me. Oh, yeah. So, Kathy, talk to us. What's going on? And tell us about, aren't you running for something? I am. I am running for a, a position. I'm first of all, I'm a retired educator, so I couldn't just stop there. I had to get in the race. Uh, I'm in a I'm in a runoff right now for the Houston Community College position for trustee for District Two. Well, let me That's ask you this: When you were so you were a teacher, right? Yes, sir. Okay. I was. And so now you're running for HCC, and do you know like how big? How many students are at HCC? Do you know offhand? Well, the enrollment for oh, the overall enrollment, we had about 20,000 students overall. More importantly, in my little district uh, where I have the uh, North Forest uh, campus, it was only a little less than uh, a little over 400 students. 
is at that particular campus, and I'm fighting that campus open, getting more programs there. We don't want it to close. Right. You know, no, we, we, we can't close those. we got to do everything we yes. can to have people an avenue to hot, to get better educated and to you know move on and grow and all those sorts of things. Let me ask you this. Do you know how many students at HUC are people of color? Do you have any idea? It's got to oh, well, be the majority, right? Oh, yes, yes, because, you know, most of the kids that cannot afford a four-year college will attend a place like uh, Houston Community College. It's more affordable, and then it's in the community, so it's more. it should be more accessible. Now, I don't know if I mentioned to you, did I tell you that I taught in the prison? No. Tell me about that. My God. I worked in the, I had the opportunity to work in the prison school system, a school district called Wyndham. They're all over the state of Texas, and Texas Department of Criminal Justice have the school system that's set up for guys to complete their GED in prison or to take a trade. So, therefore, when they get out, they can actually go to work within that trade. That's the goal. And so I was able to do that with the mail facility. Uh, I worked there for five years. I had a really great experience. I was scared to death when I went in out of the prison, you know, I thought, I didn't know what to expect, but it turns out it was one of the best experiences of my life. I was able to help these guys learn how to do copper cabling, fiber optic cabling, telecommunications, where they can go behind the computer and fix, you know, if there's a disconnect, they can test it and fix it and repair it. That is amazing. this was great for them, and it and it didn't take but six weeks. They were certified. They can get an entry level position. Mm-hmm. I so think that's, that's what, I think that's wonderful because you know you know these people are our sons, they're our daughters, they're our fathers. I mean, they're, this they're people. And at the end of the day, uh, if we don't do something to get them a skill, then they're going to come out and come into society and they're going to have nowhere to turn and then more trouble happens. So I think getting them integrated into society with jobs to be productive citizens is, is the way to go. So I congratulate you for that. Let me give you the last word. And I want to make sure you put it, you say, you know, where's your website? And, you know, if there's a number of people want to learn more about the campaign, what do they call? Uh, Just give us all that here before we uh, sign off with you. Okay, uh, I want to let them know that today is early voting. So early voting started today and it's going to go through June the 14th. And uh, election day is going to be on June the 18th. But they can go to www.votefor.kathygunter.com. That is my website and they can see everything uh, on there about me that they want to know. And also they can email me at kathygunter.com. I'm sorry, vote for Kathy. I'm, ooh, I got to get this right. I got to get this Don't right. You worry. <laughs> Don't Kathy you worry. Don't you worry. At gmail.com. <laughs> well, Miss Kathy, I so appreciate you. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for doing the Lord's work, helping those folks in the prison and, and working with young people. I think that's wonderful. So, Houston, Thank you got all the information there. I hope you consider Miss Jackie. She's working hard for the community. I've seen her out and about. Let's come back to Chief uh, Chef. Right. Chef, oh, Chief Chef, is okay Chief, as yeah. well. The, the, the big cheese. Yes. Um, <laughs> Chef Willie. So, Chef, so go back. So, you mentioned something interesting that I think our audience would care to know, okay. which is, so you're an African American and it's predominantly is this correct predominantly a white male dominated field so do you ever feel i mean do people ever make you feel i don't know the right word like 
not good enough? Or do you ever, I mean, do you ever get any of that pushback and BS and things that just frustrate you and say, you know, I just want to be treated like any other chef? You know, I have to be honest. Um, and because it, it's so true. Like, first off, while I was in school, I used to always uh, say, I want to be the white Bobby Flake. Why would I have to say the white Bobby Flake? That never registered to me, right? Um, until I actually got into the, the industry, like, more and, like, more hands-on and things like that, you know? Um, because as a chef, my... You, it's it's not about your race. Thank God, I love my industry. It's about your skill set, the talent that you bring to the table. Are you fast in this kitchen or are you not? Um, your resume, we don't even want to look at it. We want let me see you in the, your experience and let me see you in this kitchen in the gut on the line, you know. And luckily, so for me, I've always risen to the top of whatever field I was in. Um, I started my career in Florida. Um, I was surrounded by I was the only uh, black guy in almost every restaurant that I worked at. No kidding. There. No, literally, and. Um, and I slowly rose to the top, and every every restaurant job that I took, um, I was a little bit higher and a little bit higher. I literally started off as um, a line pastry cook, and I rose all. The, by the time I was leaving Florida, um, I arrived in twenty. Um, 11, and by the time I was leaving in 2015, I was uh, one of the top sous chefs of the city and pastry chefs of the city. I was nominated uh, 2014 uh, for uh, my one of my de- deconstructed tiramisu's, and it won best dessert of the city. And in no 2015, kidding. I was nominated um, for best new chef of the city as well. No kidding. So yeah, so for best of the bay, by the way, that's what it was called, best of the bay. And so, as far as the race world, it didn't. It, it didn't affect my career per se, but there was never anyone that looked like me that I, I related to or mm-hmm. or could it be inspired by. Um, like I said, like literally my goal was to be the the, the black Bobby Flake. Well, let me ask you, so, what's a sous chef? I've heard that term, I'm a sous chef. What does that right. mean? So the sous chef is like the second in command, the second in charge. Like Mr. Kitchen. Spock? Right. Like, like the Mr. Spock of the yeah, kitchen. Yeah, I'm the Robin to your Batman. Yeah, you yeah, know. I'm the Robin to your yes, Batman. I absolutely. See. So that that is your sous chef. He has your back, he's your right-hand guy. And then there's your pastry chef of the kitchen as well, right? Um, your, your pastry chef is the one that's writing all the desserts, handling that entire portion, because depending on how big or small your restaurant is, that could be a huge factor as well. Now, all I know is this. If I were a chef and I was the pastry <laughs> chef, I mean, I think I would just be eating all my damn pastries and no telling how big I would be. No, you know I mean, how, I mean, Is that not the case? You know, it is the case. Because don't is. you have to sample it all yourself you to, to make sure it's good? You have. It's a requirement. Is it know? a requirement? It is a requirement to taste test your food. It is a requirement. You know, and then I'm in pastries, everything has sugar in it, and I used all the fats I could find. Okay, there's gluten free. No, I'm kidding. I could totally do those yeah. as well. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I love the gooey, buttery, like sugar. Like I love a good old fashioned dessert, you know. Yeah. So, um, when, but as far as a healthy tip, believe it or not, I was way bigger. And learning about pastries actually helped me uh, learn about sugar and learning the, the proper way of balance and food actually helped me lose weight. Like in college, I was pushing 300 at one point. Yeah, but you're a tall man, so yeah, that's so, not like no. But 300 is still a big guy. Okay, but but you're but you're a strong big man. Well, thank you. Thank okay, you. thank you. I'll take that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, let's go back to something. So then you moved here, and do you have your own restaurant? Well, when I came to Houston, um, I made a pit stop in New Hampshire. Worked at a, at a, at a, at a um, kids' summer camp. Uh, but then right after that, I came to Houston. And, you know, it's, it's the, the, the saying is true. Every time you go to a new city, you're starting all the way over again. And so I left Florida at the top of the city, and then I come to Houston. I'm literally the small fish in a big pond again. Yep. And so I had to rise all over. And so I started working for um, a local catering company, one of my closest friends at the time. And then I just transitioned from working for a home company to starting my own. Uh, but it was a very, very slow process, like super slow process, meaning, um, like, how do I do it? I... Um, 
tried to get like a, a loan, immediately denied. So what did I do? Uh, what could I have done? So I, I, I thought of a, a different option. I would, to, to literally start my business in 2016, um, I, I took a job serving tables. So I stepped back um, in, in the hospitality world. Like I was the head of restaurants. Now I'm just serving at them. And I took the money from the tips and I would invest that into my own stuff. And so I served tables right over at your house in City Center, right? Which is ironically where my offices are located now, you guys. Keep that in mind. But um, I started right there in City Center and I would serve tables. I would take the money from serving and I would invest into my desserts. And then I would make desserts and then bring them back to the restaurant and then like have the employees and the guests that came in. Everybody would try it and sample it and give me their opinion. And literally it started from, I did that for like a year and a half and I would started selling cheesecakes out the back of the restaurant. Come on. No, literally. And then so that grew and then one day someone asked me, can you teach me how to make it? And I turned that into a whole thing. And I started doing cooking classes. Wow. <laughs> so I was serving and being a full-time chef on the side. I mean, yes. I had this image of you pulling up in a big van and saying, psst, psst, come here, buddy. Psst, psst. I've, got, I've got some cheesecakes. I've got some that cheesecakes. That was me for I mean, the you know, longest. And you're looking around and you're in the dark and I, I got some cheesecakes for you right here if you want cheesecake. No, it was horrible. I could have easily lost my job. Like, it was so horrible. Like, I would literally like, they would say, can we see dessert menu? I'd be like, man, I got a slice of cheesecake right here if you want some, try my cheesecake. And so literally, I would like do what I could to get my name out there. And it worked uh, in, in that one moment. Yes, it worked out really well to like, I started doing cooking classes and I had like a little kitchen I rented in, in Third Ward at the time. And so I would drive all over the city to host these small classes and then go back and serve tables to get more money. Well, so. let me ask you this. So so this isn't a pitch for your business, but, but it might be, which is, okay, so my wife and I, we're like, you know, busy people somehow. I don't know. I don't know how, I mean, you think about the old days when, you know, they would work with candlelight and they would sit there by the fire and read. Well, we don't have any time for that anymore. Right. And it takes like two people to work to keep the whole house going and this and that. We don't have time to cook. Yes. And so, you know, oh my God, the worst thing ever was Uber Eats. So now I'm <laughs> all I'm doing is eating poorly and I'm just eating all kinds of Uber Eats and you can, I'm wearing Uber Eats right now. Right. And so, you know, do you do for someone like me and my wife, we're professional and we're like, we just got to eat better. We got to get away from whatever it is that's processed food or whatever that word is. And we got to eat more healthy. And so do we come to someone like you to say, Absolutely. help us? Yes. Uh, someone exactly like So me. what do you do? So now, uh, so we're going to skip a whole chart, um, but currently right now I'm a, pr a private chef in the whole city, right? Or the, actually the whole state of Texas. Um, I, I work on nutritional, private, nutritional dining as well as fun traditional meals also. And all of this is a part of my program called the Ready Made Program by Chef Willie Holmes. Um, and literally it's give you your access to your own private chef without the mess, if that makes sense. Like I'm not, we, no one's coming to your house anymore to actually physically cook all of that, dirty up your kitchen, you know, make a mess and then try to clean it and, and things like that for hours. We cook it at our offsite kitchen, but then we deliver it. We cook it to your exact meals, your exact diet specifications. Um, it, it literally is. Is it like it's frozen? Or no, is it? and it's all fresh meals, never frozen. So how do, so I just have it in my fridge, Mon like, you know, those yeah, little That's literally almost you know, what it is. You know those pill things? Yes. When people, they got Monday, Tuesday for all their pills. Is there like a, there's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in my fridge? Absolutely. Well, up to three days. Up to three um, days. Uh, and then we do your second delivery of the week, and then we'll do your third delivery of the week, depending on how many week or meals you have. And can I tell week. you, I'd like 
chicken this day. I'd like barbecue this day. I'd like uh, you know fish this day. Can I absolutely? Can I do that? That's literally what my clients do. They tell me what they're craving. They tell me what their kids are craving, and then I create 100% menus for you based off your cravings and your dietary. Holy cow! Well, give what's your number? Tell yeah. everybody your number. Listen, folks, call me directly. I always say that. Yeah. You know, I'm a private chef. Um, just call me straight up. Um, two eight one four five five seven eight nine one. Everyone, write that down. Listen, please. Hold on a second. Look, let me tell you. Two eight one. Uh huh. That's four five five. Four five five. Seven eight. Seven eight nine one nine one right, and this is it's perfect for the the on the go mom. See, I haven't done this before. Big families. I haven't done this before, so I don't know. Let's studio audience. I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to try Chef Willie right now, and let's see what he says to me. Uh, he's going to say, "This is Chef Willie." Okay, Listen, are you calling me directly? I, I don't know. Let's see. I love this. Let's see what happens yes. here. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Can, can you, like, ready? Yes, like Chef Willie Holmes. How may I help you? I'm looking for, is this Chef Willie Holmes? This is. Directly. I am looking for, I don't want any dirt. I don't want any mess in my kitchen. I don't want to clean up anything. I just want to just write a check to pay for it. And I just want to eat good food. Can you help me with that? You know I can. You know absolutely I can. All I need to know is what is your dietary restrictions? What are you looking for this week? And what are you craving? Any allergies? These questions after that? We're good to go. We are we are on. <laughs> Let's do it. I, 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 we are on. That just worked for me. We do have another caller here very quickly. And I want to come back to the concept of, number one, I want to get to your contest. Yes. And then I want to go back to the meal I had at your restaurant. Thank you. Uh, but we have Muhammad. Muhammad, are you there? Muhammad from Acres Home. Yes. Muhammad, yes, how here. are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How you doing today? I'm doing well. Tell us again, what's going on in Acres Home? And, and you're part of the, is it the Acres Home Chamber of Commerce? Or tell me again. It's the Acres Home Chamber for Business and Economic Development. So how many businesses are in the whole Acres Home area, would you say, Muhammad? Well, we don't have a good count right now. Um, it's, it's not what it should be. Understood. Well, what sorts of things are y'all trying to promote to expand small businesses there? We have, we, we're promoting education, training, and, and some certifications. We have an alliance with Lone Star College, NOAA. They have a workforce program which offers uh, all of the trades, uh, welding, construction, uh, HVAC, and a number of trades. I think they're about to add uh, electrical. And we have a collaboration with them so that we will wrap around that trade program. We're going to wrap around educational development in terms of how to set up business, how to go into business for yourself to become entrepreneurs. Of course, it's fine to look for jobs, but we're also trying to develop our people to have the skill set to go into business for themselves. Awesome. Those awesome. Are some of the that's beautiful. That is awesome. We need more small businesses, and we need small businesses in the hands of people of color. When you look at the city of Houston, roughly, I think the number is something big, like 65% are Hispanic and African-American, and yet we don't have enough Hispanic and African-American small businesses. And we've got to get them, and we've got to support them. So amen to you. Tell us what's going on with Juneteenth. Okay, and I have my big coordinator here with me, Elijah. And he's going to chime in. Go ahead. Let's have him. What, what's his name? I just want him to meet you and know who you are. Yeah. What's, what's his name again? I'm sorry. Uh, good morning. My name is Elijah Fitzgerald. Um, Elijah, I'm, speak to us. 
Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just here on the call. I was just uh, just chiming in to um, get my name and uh, also support as well. Uh, Wonderful. Well, Elijah, do you know what y'all are planning for Juneteenth? Uh, yes, sir. So we have a cultural arts festival that we'll be having on Saturday, June the 18th from 12 to 6. And um, so we say cultural arts because it's going to have so many different forms of entertainment. Uh, we'll have poetry. We'll have a uh, live band. We'll have other forms of entertainment that I don't necessarily want to give away because I want to make some things a surprise. Awesome. And, so, uh, and where's it going to be? Like, where exactly is it? It's going to be at the chamber uh, ground. 6112 Wheatley Street, which is the location of the Acres Home Chamber, and we've got about a uh, four-acre footprint there, plenty of land, uh, parking, uh, going to have a, a wonderful stage with a digital background, we'll have food trucks, vending opportunities, sponsorship opportunities, it's going to be really, really nice. Fantastic. Um, and let me ask you this, when you look back at Juneteenth, you know, why did it take so long for the message to come here? Think of all those people that were enslaved and all the terribleness that went on for whatever it was, a couple more years. Any thoughts about that? Yes, I, I, I've participated in Juneteenth celebrations literally for my whole life. But in, in my younger days, and, and <clears throat> it was like a, a unnoticed, like a private uh, holiday among black people that other people didn't know about. But we would always have celebrations at the local park and have little league baseball games. And have everybody would have the barbecue pits out, and people would literally just take off work most times without even any, any permission, or they'd come after they'd get off, and we'd have a, a, a big celebration. It's largely through the efforts of, of uh, State Representative uh, Al Edwards, who popularized it and took it to the mainstream and eventually got uh, official recognition of it. But it's it's been a long-standing uh, holiday in the black community where we um, celebrated getting the news, although being late, getting the news that emancipation had come. So it was a very festive time for us. <clears throat> Wonderful. We're happy that we're happy that the, 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 the public at large and people now can know and appreciate uh, what we went through and, and join in on the celebration with us. Well, I'd like you to do this, Muhammad, if you don't mind. This is Muhammad back, right? Yes. Okay. I'd like you to call in. You know, the, the next Monday, the next Monday, up until June uh, Juneteenth, the celebration, just to so we can get the word out about this, so people know about it. If you don't mind, uh, and if you don't call in, I'll try to make sure I mention something. But I think we want a good turnout, and we want to celebrate something very, very important in history. So, Muhammad, I'm going to give you the last word. Anything else you got for me? Uh, I want to invite everyone out, and even though this originated as a, a holiday for Black people, we want we want to invite the whole diverse community. Acres Home, as you know, is, is changing demographically. It's a diverse community, large Hispanic population, you know, and people of other ethnicities. So we want everyone to come out so that we can get to know each other and people can get to know more about the legacy and the history of Acres Home. Amen. Muhammad, thank you. And Elijah, thank you for tuning in. Uh, you're here with a tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday. KWWJ, KYOK. And we're here live from downtown Houston. I want to say live from New York. Saturday night live. I really want to say that somehow, but I can't quite say it. So I'll just say live from downtown Houston. <laughs> 
It's Chef Willie. So, yes. so Chef, let me go back to you for a second. So, you had me at your, is it a restaurant? Would you call that a restaurant? It's a restaurant to but me. But for private dining. Is that what yes, it is? That's it's private what I dining? Created. Absolutely. Um, so, being inspired from working in that city city area for so long, of course, naturally, my, my mindset was to find something there. Right. Um, I met the, an amazing person um, who introduced me to that company, Spaces, and they had an amazing uh, storefront, essentially, is what they have there. And they gave me the beautiful opportunity to be the exclusive chef of that office space, which, um, which is amazing. And, and so what I like to do is a lot of private dining, one-on-one -on -one dining with just your, the chef and your guests. I like Simple it because it's nice, it's clean. Thank you. It's quiet. Yes. It's kind of hip. It's, it's kind of modern. Yes. Um, you and, know, and we're, we're up on that fifth floor. You yep. enter on the red carpet. You overlook all of the city, city, the, right over the greens. Give us the address so people know. Absolutely. So literally, my I'm located right in the heart of city center, um, 800 Town & Country, uh, Suite 500. Literally, that's where I'm at, you guys. But it's, it's, it's private dining. You can't just drive to it off the side of the road or anything like that. It's not a street. You won't see a street sign or anything like that. Well, all I know is you had a, a little these um, chicken type things with some yes. sort of uh, sauce on them <laughs> and you had it real nice and pretty on like you know 10 little uh, skewers and boy studio audience I got in those skewers and it, it wasn't nice and pretty anymore oh my god I think I ate the whole damn plate real quick too Did very I? quickly I you mean, know you, you, you noticed you watched I saw from the distance I as thought, I was plating everyone else I said what is it he just grabbed that fork and straight off the plate I said oh, okay. but I thought what goes on the kitchen stays in the kitchen oh my god all Houston now knows that that's okay we have another caller though chef we have another caller Sophie is there a Sophie yes hi hi Sophie yeah, me and Chef Willie. What do you got for Chef or me? Hi, Chef. Uh, Hi, nice I to had meet a you. question. Nice to meet you, too. Uh, great hearing your story. I wanted to know what's your signature dish? Ooh, and yes. and uh, what do you like to cook for yourself? Ah, for yourself. Thank when you, it's thank late you. at night right. and you you're know? there going, hmm, what am I going to make? No, you know, a chef cravings thank are, you there, are the That's absolute a great one, No, Sophie. that was a great question. Thank you. you know, um, currently, my specialty is seafood. Um, and when I, when I go into like my savory culinary hat, and my pastry culinary for today, forever, it will always be cheesecake to my heart. And you you had some, by the way. I love cheesecake. Thank you. Oh, my Thank God. You. That you. cheesecake you had, that yes. wasn't like normal cheesecake no, or something. No, it wasn't. It was completely different. Yeah. Usually people have like a graham cracker crust, a yeah. really kind of thick, What was your crust? Yeah. It was says, delicious. Now, that's something I cannot oh, tell you, yeah. sir. You can't, you can't, uh -uh. can't that's reveal. That's my moneymaker. Oh, my God. Uh, well, all I know is it was delicious. Thank you. Thank you. So my, that's my specialty. My specialty is seafood and cheesecake. Um, but... Um, as far as like, what do I eat at home? My God, you know, when a chef craving comes, it can be amazing or it can be the absolute worst. One time I had a craving for like something lemony. I made me a full lemon pound cake with a lemon meringue glaze and a side of lemon sorbet because I have my own ice cream maker at home. Uh, with a, just for, eat like two bites out of it. Yeah. I kid you not. Oh my so, like, goodness. So like literally our cravings are like through the roof. Like one time I had like, a, a craving for like crab. I made me like three giant jumbo crab cakes, something I would never make at the restaurant because too much crab. I, like those are our chef cravings. So for me, when I'm home, it, it, whatever craving hits me, I just go for it. And but the thing is, we're gonna go for like huge. So we're like, there's enough to share with my neighbors. Like there's always an extra. Well, you know, all when you say all that, first of all, it sounds delicious.
delicious, right? Yes. But then because I'm not uh, skilled in this sort of area, all I can think about is, oh my God, what mess is there to clean up? <laughs> I mean, you know, like you see these cooking shows on TV yes. and they act like it's not a, nothing but a thing. There they go, pull stuff out and then yes. they are. And they got hundreds of pots of this. And it's like, wait a minute, what's the after show right, here? Because you know, on those shows, there's, there's a crew that comes that, in and yeah, cleans. I was going to say, what, Absolutely. there's got to be. Believe it or not, in my cooking class, I used to teach a part of that was cooking and cleaning as you go. So, you know, you would cook, but you were also need to clean up as, as you go. Yeah, so okay. by the time the meal is finished, the kitchen should be clean also. Is that right? Yes. That's literally, you know, that's the technique I t- teach in my class, but I also teach things like one pot cooking, yeah. 15 minute meals, 30 minute meals. You know, some, some of us chefs don't even like to be in the kitchen that long, you know, so we go in and out, in and out. And so I teach those as well. And then those guys have a way whenever they like, it, the, you know, I watch these shows because my daughter loves these shows. Right. Juju, Juju, if you're out there, I'm going to talk about you, honey. And so, you know, they bring out the dessert and it's all this dun, 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 mm-hmm. the music's mm-hmm. all really it's all real like you know it's this big crescendo and then the guy gets a fork or the woman gets a fork and it's like the slowest bring the food the fork to your mouth I know with me it's like hey let me go <laughs> but no it's real slow and then they do it and then they just have this whole and then they go into these words I've never heard of. Yes. And it's got this richness and done, and their whole voice is right. different. And they talk about the acidity yeah, level and, and, and the sweetness. And, and it's and so the... acidic. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And, then, and they're just, it's like, oh my God, what are they saying? You know, and that, that, and that is why I'm so happy that you're going to be uh, a judge on this well, show. Because so I'm, I'm sending you uh, like descriptive words okay, to hold, you. Hold, you know? hold that thought because we have another caller. Before we get to that caller, I will tell you one more thing. So my wife, um, and daughter love those kids baking shows. Yes. And I mean, these kids, it's like, you know, these kids are like nine years old. And how do they know about, and you got to do this so the butter doesn't do this? I'm like, how do you know that? <laughs> and it's like these kids are like the most mature, grown up nine year olds yes. ever. Yes. And they're all like so pleasant and happy, and, and they're just going through cooking these amazing things. Yes. Can you imagine that? No, I can't. And you know what? I have a niece. I've been training her since she was three. And Come she, on. she can now cook half the people in this room, I'm sure. Sorry, ma'am. <laughs> the live studio artist. Sorry, you guys. Uh, so uh, it, yeah. it's the truth. Yeah. You know, you start them when they're super, super young. Yeah. They're in the kitchen cracking eggs and just making small things until they get fully, fully comfortable. Wow. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. hold that thought. We have a Jesse on the line. Is there a Jesse on the line? Yes, sir. First of all, uh, I want to say thank you, Gilbert, uh, for sponsoring our trip to Uvalde with our LULEC members and a lot of uh, Adrian Garcia's volunteers and campaign workers. We went to Uvalde. We all we went to the school and dropped off some flowers and then the, the 19 teddy bears. And then we went also to the uh, markets, uh, main market area and put some more flowers. And then we uh, gave a $2,000 check to the bank and I, I want to thank you for sponsoring that chair for us with a seat to the God side we really appreciate it well and I, and let's just let the viewers know so of course Uvalde was the terrible terrible massacre and Lulac reached out to me and they wanted to send busload of people to pay their respects and so I sponsored three of the buses and sent how many people went Jess about 27 that is great and let me ask you this what was it like going Jess it, it was, you know, we 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 cried and we got in a circle and prayed and and you know it, it was uh, it was really heavy on your heart, but you were feeling better because uh, there, there was not as many police officers or 
uh, there to hold people back away from the school. We could get a lot closer and lay our flowers and teddy bears uh, around the around the areas there. So that was a good feeling. So it was a, a feeling of ease right now, but it was a lot of sorrow. sorrow. And then uh, I had a point for the uh, chef. Uh, Please. Regards, uh, first of all, do you have a diabetic menu? And I do. Do you, tell people, do you help people stay with the, stay away from the great white devil? I do. The, you know, uh, it's just called sugar. Yes, you know, it is. Uh, my, one of my best friends in the entire world, hey, Shawnee, because I know she's listening. Um, she is diabetic as well, and she was the first person why I had to originally write a sugar-free cheesecake recipe because she wanted it so bad, but like two bites in, she's like, you run them, you just run my numbers up. And so <laughs> uh, she's the reason why I had to develop um, the 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 diet cheesecake, excuse me, the, the sugar-free cheesecake. But from there on, I started to work with um, Dr. AJ over the Agarol um, um, Association. And um, with the, their work, I was able to learn like the more more scientific approach to the, this um, the, these these medical meals and and, um, and how to genuinely um, make a difference like um, with, with people's numbers are involved and, and things like that. But also figuring out a balanced way to cook food that was healthy um, but also tasty. You know, and, 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 and also to fit your cravings as well. So that's what I've done now. And we, we come in for like one-on-one consultations over in my private kitchen and city center. And then from that consultation, I bring out a few sample dishes. I figure out exactly like where you are taste-wise, um, what are your dietary goals, and, and where you're trying to get to health-wise. And then from there, I'm able to create um, whatever um, whatever menu for however many days, weeks you need, um, and, and just kind of go from there. And we just access it from there. That is wonderful. Jess, I appreciate that question, but Jess, I'm going to go back if you don't mind. Did you get a chance to see any of the elected officials or anything like that in Uvalde? We did uh, have a, a lunch, uh, I think it's either one of the former mayors there, but you know, it, it, it's very sad, Gilbert. You know, 85% of the population is Mexican-American in Uvalde, and most of the people that run the town there are Anglo, and so that's that's you know very sad. The f- the fact that people don't get to vote or don't go out to vote. Cedro uh, used to run uh, uh, some politics and campaigns in Eagle Pass in that area, and he was telling us all about the political scene. And uh, he, it's very sad that our people don't get out and vote more. Well, you know, we talk about this on the radio all the time, which is you got to vote. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to vote. Here's another reason you hear it from Jess talking about some of the Latino communities. It's the same here in the African-American community. We've got to vote, make our voice heard. My mom always said, if you don't vote, don't complain. Uh, So there you have it. Jess, last word, anything? No, just thank you very much, Gilbert, for your support on everything you do, you know, uh, for helping the community so much. I know you're out everywhere. You have senior citizens having lunch. You're out there helping out all the organizations. So, again, I want to thank you so much for all you do in the community, and thank you for this radio show. Thank you, Jess. You're a good man. I'm hugging you on the phone. So let's go back here, Chef. So there's a Facebook post that said, uh, where can I get a cooking class? Yeah, so the cooking classes right now, um, we, we're doing them two different ways. Um, at our kitchen, but uh, but actually we're taking a more personal approach, and I'm coming directly to you. Um, and if you want to get like a small group or, or two or more together, or one-on-one lessons as well, uh, we could do it directly with you at your at your 
location, or you can come to us and we can make it happen as well. Awesome. So at your place in City Center, you have a full kitchen back there? Um, no, I, I, it's, it's like a build your own. Uh, you, you build it in as you, well, for what you need. I see. Yes, yes, yes. So let's go. We, we have another caller there. Is there a Miss Sarah there? Larry King. Is there a Miss Sarah, though? Is there a Miss Sarah? No, Gilbert, this is Larry. Oh, Larry. Well, Larry, uh, you certainly don't look or sound like Sarah. No, nope. But Larry, <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Larry Payne again, who was on our show last week. We had a great show with him. Uh, he's been an advisor and, and I don't know the right word, consigliere, is that what they say in the, in the movies? To, uh, I don't know, six or seven different mayors. Larry, how are you That's doing? Awesome. I'm doing well. Just wanted to call in and say hello to you and your wonderful viewing, uh, your growing listening audience. And uh, thank you so much for last week. And thank you for being with us this past Saturday uh, for the 2036. Thank you for your support and encouragement of that event and that product. So I really thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. Larry, talk a little bit again to our listeners about uh, 2036. The bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, Larry will mention it, but someone's got to be thinking about where is this city going? You know, you know, you, we all go through life, but someone's got to be thinking about what are going to be the issues that maybe we see today, but what are going to be the issues in the future? And Larry was said to us, it's always about, think about in the year 2036, if you had to write the mayor of 2036 speech, what would he or she say? Well, in other words, someone's got to start planning these things today. And that's what Larry came up with, with Canberra Marshall and others. And it's just an incredible effort. Larry, why don't you talk about that and what happened Saturday? Well, we've brought together uh, 36 people who've been working for six months in groups of uh, four different areas, uh, education, environmental justice, health care, and the general quality of life issues to look at how we as Houstonians think about these issues from an equity standpoint. What are the gaps in equity? What are the gaps in inequities and inequalities? Uh, looking at the issues of poverty, how it impacts all of this. Looking at the growing demographic changes of our city of Houston. And uh, now that we are a majority minority city and what does all that mean going forward? And what are some of those things we can start taking care of and getting getting some movement and traction on low-hanging fruit so we can make some difference, differences and some, have some successes going forward. So you can take some of the issues off the plate so you don't have to be talking about the same thing again by 2036 of having schools that are uh, not performing well here in Houston, uh, the two-tiered education system, uh, the lack of equity in the education system. What are all those issues we can start having a real plan these next 13, 14 years to 2036 to resolve it. So because you don't want to be talking about particularly education, that we have so many schools at the lower rank of the educational process for opportunity and outcomes that are just not making the grade. It's not the school's fault. It's basically the community's fault. We don't fund them well enough. We don't give them the access to equal opportunities that they need. That's on us. Uh, what can we do? And I think as a city as great as Houston, with all the caring, philanthropy, compassion, and love we have in this city, we can make it happen. We can make a difference. But we got to know what those issues are. We have to have a process in place to address them, a mechanism in which to, to, to uh, talk about outcomes. And so that's what we we're trying to do. It is a, just a start. It's just a first-started effort. 
but it's going to grow and develop as we go forward. Well, I'm happy to participate. I, I feel honored to participate. You know, Houston has had this can-do attitude since its inception. I mean, who would have thought we'd have this incredible city in this, you know, people say in the in the old days, swampland or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. And then yeah. who would have thought we would have built this incredible, you know, medical center facility, the best in the world. And who would have thought, as Larry always says, we would have built this incredible port 50 miles inland. I mean, who does that? Right. Well, Houston does. And I think we need to have that type of spirit uh, as we look at solving some of the issues, as we manage this incredible melting pot of people that is our home. Larry, what else do you want to tell us here? Just briefly as I go off, it's going to take a lot of committed, dedicated, passionate people who are willing to step up, be accountable, have the commitment, have the transparency, and most and foremost to make all this happen, Gilbert, we have to start developing trust. And the way you develop that trust to get these things done are through relationships that are built, nurtured, and maintained on mutual trust and respect because nothing, nothing happens without trust. Amen to that. Ladies and gentlemen, you had Larry Payne on. Mr. Larry Payne, we thank you for being on the air. Larry Payne is kind of like the Obi-Wan Kenobi around here. You right. know, you know, like I feel like I'm young Luke. I mean, Luke. I'm like young Gilbert. And, you know, and, and Larry's like, I'm older than Larry probably, right. but he's like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. My God. You know, he's that well, type of person. Uh, just glad to be with you, uh, Gilbert, and your audience and your guests, and always looking forward to working with you on the next iteration of, of these projects. Thank you, Larry. Thank you for being on the show. We, All right. Take care, brother. Yes, sir. Right. We got to right. come back Bye-bye. to Chef Willie because, you know, there's an old show, Carol Burnett, and they say, you know, I'm so glad we had this time together. Are you ready for this? Right. We're down to five minutes. Wow. Can you imagine that? That happened An so hour quick. went like that. It's it like, did. where did it go? Well, well, congratulations on the extra 15 minutes because we needed them. Well, I okay. know. Because think you about know. it. You would have said, you would have said nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. But I really want to get this in because tell us about the entire Mass Bakers show and the whole contest and what is it all about? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, one thing that you did mention was that in the, in the in this culinary world, it could be lucrative. It can be until a major pandemic hits. Listen, you guys, um, my business, when the, this started literally at the beginning of the pandemic, when the pandemic hit, um, me, along with a, a handful of other fellow bakers that I knew, we all lost our business, right? Because when you thought about it, um, at, at the time, uh, when the pandemic relieved and all of the restaurants and everybody closed down, um, there was a lot of restaurant relief provided but there was not a single thing as far as relief provided to us home bakers, right? People that don't, I don't have any employees. It's just me home making cakes at the, at that mm-hmm. time. And so, um, when I lost my little business called Ally Willie's before I opened up here in city center, I didn't know what to do. And, um, I was so confused and I, I was struggling, but so were all of my other friends. And so the, literally the first thought that came to mind was to, we will all pull our money together and the winner takes the pot. That was the only like smallest concept. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to everybody in Houston. I created this cool competition where it was going to be a blind baking competition. Everybody going to compete socially distant, come together at the very end um, and, and do something big for the city. And literally... Um, everybody put in $100 into the pot, and we only gave a, a, a $1,000 to the winner, you know? Um, but what I didn't see coming at that first time, when I sent out invitations for that very first competition, it was right after um, the whole George Floyd uh, mm-hmm. uh, incident as well. Only responses I got back was from all black bakers or businesses of color. Um, there wasn't a single uh, a white baker in the very first season of The Mass Baker. It was only colors business. But that right there, it, it happened. I think everything happens for a reason. 
reason. You, we, we understand this. Um, God made it happen to where those 20 black businesses all came together and did something huge for that area, especially in city center, um, it, it, which is a predominant like, white area, you know, like literally it, 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 it did so much change, right, for the city to where we did competitions like back to back to back, right? Um, and each, each time it got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. Season one winner was named Chef Kayla P. Season two, we had Chef Helena. Season three, Chef Lisa Clark. All of these ladies that were winning the competition, we were awarding them the $1,000 grand prize. And that $1,000 like did wonders no for kidding. that. That's so it's wonderful. the baking community, right? So we didn't, we didn't need much, but we just needed something, right? Right. Like, you know, like a few cakes. The cakes don't cost that much when you really genuinely think right, about right, it. Right, right, right. But um, we, we just needed some sort of help to get by. And so I kept doing these competitions, and then they just kept growing and growing. And so that's where we ended up where we are here today. Um, the, the competition series got picked up by the, that Foodie TV network. But I still had to find my own funding and things mm-hmm. like that. But we were still able to make these small little blessings. We went to a season four well, wedding competition. We did an all-star competition where we had, like, the people that lost come back and compete. Oh, how- no. Great. Yeah, so we had, there were so many ways, and we just still kept giving out this small little grand prize, but it helped change so many lives. So now, here I am in the fifth and final season of the show because my contract with the Foodie TV is ending, and I've come up with a new way to um, transcend it, but I want to go out with a bang, right? And in my career here in Houston, I've met so many amazing people, I figured... If we all and, and by the way, to host all of these past competitions, it has taken a handful of people from um, Wedding Case by Tammy Allen, The Corner Bakery, um, judges from Houston Black Restaurant Week. Like all of these people have come together to make this show like a huge success. And so what I did, well, what I'm hoping for now is for all of us to come together one more time. Um, I have a goal of $50,000 to raise because this year for the first time, instead of a $1,000 grand prize, we want to give a $10,000 grand prize away. We want to help inspire the next generation of bakers. We want to build a $10,000 culinary scholarship. We like we really want to go out with the bay. We've been talking to the most amazing people and we really think we can make it happen this year. Well, I'm happy to participate. I want to be there and yours truly is going to be one of the celebrity ju- judges. Uh, celebrity judges and I yes. can't wait to eat the food. I'm excited to have you on the show. Well, I thank you. So we are now going to hear this song Beautiful by Christina Aguilera because it just strikes me that some of our young people have so little self-esteem. And it's so important that they say, and they know to say, I am beautiful, no matter what they say. It's an incredible song. Please enjoy it with me. Words can't bring me down. I am beautiful in every single way. I think we ended. All right. So now we're off on the radio and we're still here on Facebook. You're here with Gilbert Garcia. A tip from Gilbert Talk, inspiration and prayer. I didn't get to say my favorite line. We'll see you next time. But that was for radio because I'll get to say it here on Facebook. We're with Chef Willie. 
And we're going to end here in just a minute or two. Uh, there is a question that somebody had. Okay. Which is, do you know how to make tamales? And do you have a tamale class? You know, I do know how to make them. I haven't hosted a tamale class. Thank you for that idea. Because, because uh, you know, that's that would do be a big hit. And remember, in our community, Latino community, we like we love tamales right around holidays. Yes. Especially Christmas. Absolutely. And so, you know, you might think about that. No, that is no, literally, it, it is a great idea. Let's let's do it. Let's go get the masa the lar for the Michoacana, and we're yep. gonna put it all together. Yes. yes, that is great. And you know, and I've had everything from pork to beef to chicken to bean no, that's tamales. No, yes. So there's all kinds of different ways you can do it inside. Now, when you go to California, the tamale's different. Yes. Oh. The tamale mm-hmm, here mm-hmm. is long, and there's you know stuff inside. In California, the tamale is very short, and it's really fat. Yes. It almost looks like a burrito. Yes. And there's all kinds of stuff in there, like uh-huh. olives and uh-huh. all kinds of things that don't belong well, in a tamale. It's California. Yeah. You know. Yeah, those things, they don't belong in a tamale, but they're in a, in a tamale, all this stuff. And so I uh, had my uh, uh, learning about California tamales when I went to college. Yes. Very quickly, I want to go back to something which is um, this show. It's become kind of an icon for minority-owned chefs and businesses and things. Absolutely. I think that's wonderful. Thank you. If you had to look into a crystal ball, where do you think Chef Willie's going to be five, ten years down the road? Wow. Well, um, James Beard Award winner. Hey, all right. I know that for all a right. Fact, Give him know. a round of applause. Yes, thank you. That's, <laughs> thank you. Now, um, now that's sure. the first part. Two Michelin stars. Remember, at least. the first part is give a round of applause. The second part is what's the James Beard Award? Does anybody. <laughs> oh, that, is wow. that a food award? Right, it is. It is I one of the most prestigious awards any chef can be. Uh, Holy cow. Can get in the, in the food industry. Um, it's rarely, super rarely given out to private chefs, but I want to be one of the ones to receive that. You know, like you, what, what we mentioned earlier was um, in, when I was in culinary school, um, I wanted to be Black Bobby Faye because there was no inspiration for me. I love that. That here I am 12 years later and it has been such a shift in the in the culinary world um, because now us new generation of chefs are coming in and we get to be those people that the smaller chefs get to look up you know shout out Chef Nina Compton Chef Tiffany Derry Chef Kwame um, Chef Eddie Jackson Chef Chef Sonny Anderson like all of these um, African American chefs have entered the, the fold and now we uh, these, these new chefs get to be inspired and then with the show like The Mass Baker us trying to put together this culinary sky Scholarship, those younger bakers who didn't know that they could go to school or didn't have that that hope or that dream, like now they have something to look forward to, you know. Or and and, and or in my case, um, being being one of those underprivileged students that had to f- figure it out from lack of education or lack of um, um, just finances, you know, being one of those students that had to. Um, Struggle, get it out the mud is what we call it. Where I'm from, honestly, um, that's literally what I had to do to transition to where I am now. And if I would have, um, I, I talk about it with Chef Tammy Allen all the time. If we had someone um, in our baking industry um, that we could uh, reference to, talk to, look up to, um, we could 
make a difference in the city. She wouldn't be the only black-owned wedding cake artist in, in right. the entire city, you know? Like, let's let's open up a second one, you know? And so hopefully this Mass Baker competition, the fifth and final season, um, we start awarding out these grants and scholarships that there can be more. So when is it? Let, let the public know. When is Absolutely. it going to be? And so, how can they watch it or see it or whatever? Yes, yeah, so let the first off, um, everybody who wants to support, donate, become a sponsor of the Mass Baker, please reach out to me directly um, with, with my number. With, with 281-455-7891. Yes. Also send me an email. <laughs> Thank you. You're perfect, welcome. Perfect plug. Um, also, you can directly reach me, um, email um, at alawillies at gmail.com. Really easy, simple, A-L-A, willies. Um, and, and, and so if you want to be a sponsor donator, because what we're doing is we want to have it ready uh, for the this summertime. Like, we always competed in the summer. And like I said, $1,000, it was easy. And it was great to help those bakers pay those that immediate bill that was due or that immediate um, um, help that they just needed. But $10,000 will really help open their next chapter in their baking yep. career, open up a storefront, you know, really taking to help them take their career to the next level. I think that's awesome. The other thing that's awesome, I can't help it, maybe it's because I've got Maverick on the brain. But, you know, when you say someone, you know, I'm Chef Willie. That sounds like such a cool name, Thank Chef you. Willie. Yeah. And all those other chefs you mentioned, it's kind of like, Goose, Hangman, Maverick, and all those guys. Remember, you know, the, what's their what's their fighter pilot name? Right. Y'all got these cool, you know, cooking names. You know, it it was given to us at birth. Uh, <laughs> but in our honesty, no, it, it, it we just kind of take what we were given and roll, roll, rolling with it. And, and I think that's what I'm been blessed to do today. Well, amen for that. We are wrapping up. This is a take. I am Gilbert Garcia. Talk, inspiration, and prayer. This was our first one-hour episode with Chef Willie, so we're so grateful for his patience to be here. And again, we are 11 to 12 every Monday on KWWJ. Keep walking with Jesus and KYOK. And so at the end of the day, we will see you next time. Yes. This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Join me for my new radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday from 11 to 11.45 a.m. on KWWJ, 1360 a.m., 96.9 FM, or KYOK, 11.40 a.m. Call me, 832-570-8075. See you then.